This is the Milo Beasley Show. This is the Milo Beasley Show. There's only one thing you need to know. This is the Milo Beasley Show. And now, here's your host, Milo Beasley. And welcome to the Milo Beasley Show. I am so stoked for our interview tonight, for our guest tonight. So uh, you you may have known him as a um, as a psycho cop, but you may well recognize him as possibly the most famous electrician on television. So please help me welcome at this time, Robert Schaefer. How are you, man? Hey, Milo Beasley. That, that's a catchy little uh, intro you have there. It, it is the Milo Beasley Show. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. Hopefully you're going to well, be like thinking about it all night tonight now. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. <laughs> so, uh, so is it is it Robert or is it is it Bobby? I, I know you've uh, been credited as as both. Every, every possible permutation of that, you know. Uh, my right. uh, family calls me Rob, and uh, you know, when I want to be serious, I call myself Robert, and then when I'm goofing around, I call, call myself Bobby, and my friends call me B Ray, and so, you know. Uh, my favorite nickname was when I, I was a bartender on Sunset Strip in the 80s. And um, they, they named me after uh, a wrestler. <laughs> and I'm trying to think. Of, I can't remember his name now. <laughs> It'll come to me. Uh, but it was uh, something, uh, you know, fun. Right. Right. The big cat. Uh, so- that was, it was basically the big cat. Uh, oh. Ernie the big cat lab was the name of the wrestler. Oh, yes. And they called me yes. the big cat. I'm he, a big was, guy. Uh, he was a wrestler. He was also, I think, he was on the Dallas Cowboys as well. Oh, did he play pro pro ball? Well, okay. yeah. So Makes sense. yeah, I mean that that was uh, yeah, a heck of an athlete. So uh, again, thank you so much for for taking the time to to chat with me. Where are you? Where are you located? Are you up in the uh, uh, northeast section of the country? Well, I'm in. Uh, I live in West Virginia, my home state. Oh, oh and by the way. Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. He's a refri- he's an HVAC guy. He's not a, necessarily an electrician. Oh. <laughs> refrigeration. Yeah, true, you know, yeah. so. I thought I could clarify there in, in defense of Bob Vance. In, in yes, in defense of Bob Vance. Uh, that's, I mean, when when you, uh, you know, auditioned or, or were cast for Bob Vance, was it supposed to be a one-time thing? Well, um, you know, that's what I, I mean, that's all it was when I did it, the first one, but I had a good feeling about it because, uh, um, you know, the cast was so great. Phyllis, of course, was, you know, it's pretty regular. So, uh, I thought, right. well, there's a good chance uh, Bob will be back. And of course, that was confirmed in uh, Casino Night, the uh, season ender. I waited for episode 10 until episode 24 until I got the call, but it was a sweet call. And uh, we're seeing my favorite episodes. I think I'm losing. I think I'm I'm losing you here. Okay, I think I got you back. All right. Yeah. So uh, Casino Night was a, a that was a, a good episode, and all those episodes they made Bob Vance look like the ultimate male you know like he was such a good guy and uh just very beloved by you know the 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 audience and i think that was really cool and 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 
the way that you were able to bring that out in him, uh, what direction did they give you? What, what direction did they give you on, you know, or did they just say, Hey, be yourself? No, no, not yourself. I mean, uh, Bob is an interesting character really in many ways. Uh, you know, they started to make Bob weird as, as the series went on, you know, right. There were things, I mean, he had sex in a disabled bathroom, Bob's accused of uh, tampering with the grand jury. Uh, That's true. You know, uh, beating people up in cars to stare at Phyllis's cleavage. You know, and really, uh, I was playing, uh, it was very simple because I was just there. Uh-oh. Lost them. Tells him. Uh, you know, if you've ever played Phyllis, I'll kill you. And that was, a, right. that was my favorite line in the show. So, I think you're still breaking up a bit. I, I, yeah, you're breaking up. A, you're, I think we're frozen here. Yeah, that was a dropout. Oh, boy. All right. I can, I can see you. I think I can hear you now. All right. Maybe we got it going. All right. Yes. This is yeah. This is way better. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, we were talking about um, the the tweaks that they that they made to you know Bob Vance during from you know the first time you met him to the very end. Well, I mean, again, uh, my goal with it was just have big energy and, and love Phyllis and protect her from the okay. idiots. So that's all I did. And so, you know, uh, women respond to that, obviously, because uh, Bob is chivalrous. I mean, he's an old school gentleman. He has money. I mean, he pays a thousand dollars for a hug, which right. I always called hit Michael with the big boy. You know, Bob always is flashing money around. He, he pays for the best party they ever have. Bob put up the carnival on uh, goodbye, Toby. Bob pays for it. Right. So, you know, he uh, he's a spender when it comes to Phyllis. So people people uh, appreciate that. This is true. Now, I mean, you got to be a part of a, a lot of episodes where there were parties, whether it was Casino Night yeah. or Goodbye Toby, or you had a way your your television wedding, um, uh, as well as the the, the finale. So you must have done a lot of good eating on on set. Well, you know that set was the best food ever. I mean, uh, I mean, the from craft services were amazing. They were feeding you all day long. Everybody was getting fat on that show, you know. Uh, but lunch was always great. There was always fish, great beef dish, and uh, you know, chicken. I mean, three choices every every meal. And so I, you know, at the time I was doing well. I mean, you get spoiled. I was doing a lot of. Uh, B movies at the time, and you know the budgets for the uh, for the food department always suck. <laughs> so right, you're, you're, uh, you get spoiled. Now, was the so, but when you were there doing, you know, a lot of those episodes, and there were there was food on set, there was cake on set. Was all that real? And did you and did you partake? Well, I mean, not the prop food, obviously, uh, but right. uh, I mean, there's just uh, you know. Tremendous amounts of food all day long. I mean, there's, you know, craft services and making soup and sandwiches and coming with little treats all the time and making shakes. And so it's just an endless food parade. But, you know, there's 150, 200 people working. So they 
try to keep everybody happy. I mean, it's a it's a big production. I mean, it's a lot of people to feed. We had the same uh, caterers the whole. We we had the same catering guys oh. the whole time, Sergio and uh, and his uh, company, and uh, they were just fantastic. Oh wow, that's uh that's that's perfect. Uh, keep them yeah. there the whole run. Now, did you have to audition for this, or did somebody seek you out for this role particularly? No, I I auditioned for this. I mean, uh, oh, I auditioned and then I did a callback. Are you talking about Bob Vance? Yeah, for Bob Vance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. It, it's a funny story. I've told it several times, but I I went to the audition and it was Halloween, and I didn't know it was Halloween. That's how into Halloween I am. But in Halloween in Hollywood is a big deal. So I'm getting driving there, and it only it usually only takes me 15 minutes. And now it's turned into a slugfest you know the freeways jammed i'm like what's with all this traffic i get right. into hollywood there's no parking i'm late for the meeting i'm the last guy of the day and i finally realize you know i see all these freaks in their costume <laughs> i'm like oh it's halloween so i'm the last guy in of the day and i'm pouring sweat and uh you know i do a couple i do it twice and it's al jones you know she's a great casting director she does all oh, right Carol. yeah i mean she's a big deal so just being in the that office was a you know a good get for me, and uh, I left feeling good. And as I came out, there were these three girls dressed as angels, <laughs> and they all started you know hitting me with their wands and doing all this stuff. And right. you know I was like, oh, that's a good omen. And uh, two weeks later, I had a call back, and I went out to the soundstage where they were uh, filming, and Phyllis was there, and you know uh, I. Phyllis made the decision. She chose me. And the next morning I was shooting Bob Vance. So. Oh my that's gosh. That's great. Yeah. That's great to be uh handpicked. Yeah. Uh, by, by Phyllis. Now, again, you got to, you got to experience a wedding on, you know, on television. What was, what was, I guess it was, that was a two parter. So what were those episodes like? Were they, was it a, a, a well, good fun party atmosphere? Did you have like any like actual wedding feelings where like you were kind of stressed? Well, I mean, it was a beautiful doing the what shooting. First of all, the wedding was at this church, which was uh, about a mile from where I lived. So it was oh. a beautiful shoot. You know, I drove by that church every day on my way to the golf course. And so shooting at that church, I mean, it's the corner of Colfax and Moore Park and Studio City. I was a Studio City guy, so, uh, you know, shooting at that church was, was a great treat. And um, uh, that wedding, I mean, here's a little known fact, is that my mom and dad's names are Bob and Phyllis. So, it's you know, it's Bob and Phyllis all over again. <laughs> you know, on national TV. At the, yeah, yeah, my, my dad's name is Bob, my mom's name is Phyllis. Not only is is her name is Phyllis Smith, and so was my mom, Phyllis Smith. Right. And I said yeah. to Phyllis Smith, I said, if your middle name is Kay, I'm I'm really going to freak out. And she said, well, it's not right. Kay. So I said, well, your mom and my and you have my mom and you have the same name. So anyway, when I got married, I had a picture of them on their wedding day in my tux. You know, I was all sentimental about it. I mean, it was so right. much fun. Um, I mean, uh, the kiss, I nailed her. I mean, the, the direction. Oh, I, I mean, I, I let her have it. And there's big applause, you know, from the crowd. And, uh, and uh, the 
direction the second ad comes running in with direction from greg daniels could you tell bob to tone it down on the kiss <laughs> a little bit less and i said sure sure i could i could dial it back because i i told the crowd i'm gonna say i'm gonna nail her <laughs> and uh, i let her have it it was yeah it was great it was great fun but the the funny part about it was uh the screening of the episode uh phyllis's wedding was held at greg daniels house so they had a party and you know the cast came and uh also harold ramus showed up and so i'm a big harold, harold ramus fan right great writer, great director great actor i mean Harold ramus knows funny here he is and he walks up and the first thing out of his mouth is bob vance vance refrigeration i'm like hey mr ramus that's my line <laughs> <laughs> so anyway we watched the episode and he's sitting there watching it with us, and I'm watching him watch the episode. And when I say to Michael, if you ever lay a finger on Phyllis, I'll kill you. I mean, I nailed it. And the whole place erupted, you know, so that was a great moment. Personally. Uh, uh, especially, I killed Harold Ramos, so that's a that's, treasured uh, memory. That's that's great. Do you still keep in contact with anybody on the, on the cast? Uh, every now and then, uh, Phyllis and I uh, text or, you know, go back and forth. But, you know, I, I'm i not in, the, in Hollywood anymore, so right. not so much. I just came in the grocery store all the time, but uh, now that I don't live there, not so much. Right, right. But, yeah, that would that would, that would make sense. Now, you did have uh, what Calvin Tenor, who was in the Dunder Mifflin warehouse, he was in your movie uh, Dick Dixter, correct? Yes, sir. He was he was very funny in Dick Dixter uh, as the uh, rather gay wardrobe man. And you know he's playing against type there. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that he won't be getting cast as that very often. But he sure had a lot of fun playing it. There there he is, Dick Dixter. Yeah, handsome fella. So yeah, so I watched Dick Dixter and. Um, <laughs> I, without spoiling it for those who uh, haven't watched it yet, I was expecting a different type of redemption story at the end. It definitely took a twist where I wasn't expecting. And that's well, very, the bad very rare. The bad, the bad guy wins in the end. I mean, Dick wins. So that is sort of the state of Hollywood, right? I mean, Dick's a horrible right. human being. He's everything that Hollywood Hollywood claims to hate but indulges in every single day. And right. that's Dick in a nutshell. Although Dick Dick is, you know, actually talented. He is a dreamer. I mean, you know, he lives for uh, he lives for making movies. And uh, so that's sort of the and you know the film came about as a result of my love for Peter O'Toole and the stuntman. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but Peter O'Toole's the director and he's you know Peter O'Toole, he's brilliant. You know, right. seconds of film. <laughs> you know, so sort of that autocratic director was what I was originally thinking of. And then, uh, you know, I had so many friends who were B-movie directors who would spend five years between projects and money would be there and then it would fall out. And, you know, we have it, we are, we're making it, we're not. And but you can't fight and they kept going. So that's kind of what Oh, lost them again. Well, well. There we go. All right. Yep. There we go. Where'd you go, Milo? All right. Can you hear me? Nope. You can't hear me. Hello. 
No. Come back, Milo Beasley. Come back. All right, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yes, Milo, you're back. All right. I think when you brought up, I think when you brought up the Dixter graphic, all hell broke loose there. <laughs> I think so as well. I, uh, you know, never, never trust Dick Dixter. Uh, yeah, you're getting too fancy over there, buddy. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah. So, uh, you're talking about, you know, um, you know, B movie directors and not having, you know you know, and being between films and not having budget or then, then having budget. And, um, you know, so what went into making, what was the inspiration behind making Dick Dicks there? Well, I mean, I, I, I was walking down Hollywood and Vine one day and I saw a, a, a star and the actor's name was Richard Dix, D-I-X. <laughs> He was an Academy Award winning from the 30s, Richard Dix. And I thought, okay, Dick Dix, Dick Dix. That's a great name. That's a great name for a director, director, Dick Dix, Dick Dix. So I kept thinking, okay, Dick Dix. And so I started writing and I put it down and then I read it again uh, a year or so later. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is really funny. You know, this director <laughs> is funny because he's an animal. I mean, he's, you know, he's an animal. <laughs> I mean, it's, right. it, you know. He's misogynistic. He's a gay fight. He's a gay basher. I mean, he's everything. He's a drunk. He's drunk the whole movie. He never right. sets down a gym bottle. Of gym. He's either drinking from the bottle or from the glass or from both at the same time. That's what he was putting in. watching movie. It's fun to play drunk. I mean, it's not easy. I I learned about that doing Tennessee Williams plays back in the day. I mean, you had to learn to play drunk and be convincing. I mean, there's nothing worse than somebody who's a fake drunk, especially on film. You know, right. I mean, look at uh, Cage in Leaving Las Vegas. I mean, that first of all, he was drunk. <laughs> I wasn't drunk every Dixter. I was a little bit geeky, but I had enough of the mannerisms, the slurring, and, you know. No, it was no. I, it was. <laughs> It was good. It was hiding it. I mean, he's hiding his drinking. You know, he takes the size of They're making all these uh, low-budget knockoff films, and we had done Mega Python versus Gatoroid with Tiffany and right. uh, Debbie and, Gibson. And Debbie Gibson, yeah, right? yes. I mean, so much fun. And maybe the funniest movie ever, really. Now that's you know I like to watch stuff by myself, and so I watched that learn at home, and I was tired of that. Oh, I should have told people with this because <laughs> it was too funny. I mean, it's just it's so absurd. What's the name of that outfit? Anyway, uh, Mary Lambert directed that. She directed Pet Cemetery. We had a hell of a director, you know. And right. uh, I mean, it, their biggest budget, the biggest budget they ever had, was making that movie, and so that's you know it shows. Uh, right. But he was available, and he had his crew, he had his crew available, and so there was a window of opportunity, and uh, we shot it in six days, and oh. I then I went to work. I mean I cut it and you know did all the work that goes to get it distributed, and it was a hell of a journey. I mean really uh, my movie from start to finish, I cast it, I scored it, I you know right. I. I, there's a bunch of credits I didn't take. Okay. It felt like I was taking too many as it was. <laughs> right. 
right? I mean, I was like, ah, I don't need to take that credit, but it was me that did all that work. So, but yeah, the label. Uh, yeah. I've, I've been there and done that with, with some folks where it's their name is literally on every, uh, every piece of, of credit. So, uh, but yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought the, you know, like you said, the acting drunk, I thought that was pretty, I thought that was pretty darn good. So um, I know, you know, like you said, it's tough. So I, I definitely have to give you props for that. Well, I mean, it's outlandish, but, you know, uh, if you're in that world, which we did, and I mean, I was dated by some terrific actors. I mean, Tim Russ, seriously, Tim Russ, and uh, Richard Grieco, and Tim Abel. I mean, these, these great actors, and the women were all just stunningly beautiful, and it was a treat to shoot to be pretty with full committees, but, you know, and so that makes a difference when the cast is having fun. Uh, right. That fun about the fame film. You know, and this is a quote from Mel Ramos, and he was talking about Caddyshack. And he said, The happiest day of your life is when you wrap the film, and then the worst day of your life is when you watch the first cut of it. And so when I watched the first cut of Dick Dixter, it was two hours and 11 minutes, and I was like, Oh no, what is this? <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it so bad. Oh, wow. I couldn't stand it. I mean, I went to bed that day and I was like, I failed. And, and then the next morning I was up at five o'clock and I started cutting and I turned it into 85 minutes and 87 minutes, but that's what you need in a comedy. Now it's good. But I mean, it was, you know, you, you have to shape it. You have to, you have to, I mean, there was stuff that was funny that, you know, just uh, through the, the plot line. I mean, I wanted that movie to be fast. Everything's fast, 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 fast. Uh, right. Everything's fast. And uh, first pace. And so that's what I did, and that's what I got. And what's the first line out of this bitch's mouth? You Hollywood. Are you back? I don't know. Are we back? I'm here. All right. Yep. You there you go. All right. I see you. Can you hear me? Yep. I, see, I hear you now. No, I said the first. The first line out of Dixter's mouth in the movie is F U Hollywood. Oh. The very first line he says. So that's the theme of the film. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a pretty, pretty apparent theme throughout the entire, throughout the entire movie. Now, another movie that you did that we, you know, we, we talked about a little bit, Psycho Cop, Psycho Cop Returns, Officer Joe Vickers. What a role that was. Um, now there's so many memorable lines. Um, you know, if you, if you act like trash, you get treated like trash. Um, uh, you have the right to remain dead. Do you, what, what are some of your favorite lines from that, 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 that you can remember? Well, it's still that monologue. You have the right to remain dead. Anything you say can will be considered extremely strange because you're dead. You have the right to do you because are you even listening to me? You're not I, being very cooperative. I hate to kick a man in his head. Much of a fight. It doesn't put up much of a fight. <laughs> so there's good. Too many, there's too many. There's more in that movie than all of Arnold Schwarzenegger's movies combined. 
do you get to do uh, many conventions and, and things like that? Uh, any like horror conventions for Psycho Cop or pop culture conventions and meet the fans uh, in the office? Yeah, yep. No, I'm, I'm not traveling right now. I'm not interested in traveling. I went to San Antonio not too long ago, and that was a pain. <laughs> and I mean, the traveling, the traveling part of it's no fun. Right. So, uh, no, I'm not, I, I don't plan on doing any anytime soon. All right. Uh, but me I mean, instead. you got the the cameo going, uh, you know, which which I love. Again, you you know, you you said, you know, being able to do the cameo is. Uh, as Officer Joe Vickers doing, I'm sure, a ton of Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, you know, cameos. Uh, I'm sure that, that's been a lot of fun for you as well. Uh, I do most of it Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration, mostly Office fans, you know. Uh, there have been some uh, cameos. <laughs> Try it out. You know, I can still do it. Did it the first time. <laughs> Second time, right. doing it no a funny story was there was a screening of uh second cup returns uh, last year in hollywood at a swank screening room it was packed with film aficionados the director was there adam Rigan, and so was the director of maniac cop and i'd never met him before i'd never even seen maniac cop and adam rifkin says you know, this is William Lustig. He's the director of Maniac Cop. And I said, oh, Maniac Cop. I said, you know, for the last 25 years, you've been asking me who is Maniac Cop or Psycho Cop. And Lustig looks at me and he goes, well, I go, you're looking at him. <laughs> uh, it was too good. It was too yeah. good. It was too easy. But it was too good. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, I'm going to side with, uh, Robert, I'm going to side with you on this one and say Psycho Cop takes it. You can't kill him. You can't kill him. He's, a, he's a, dead. He's got satanic powers. Right, like Michael Myers. You can't kill him. Yeah, he's not dead. You can't kill him. I mean, both times he should have died, and he didn't. <laughs> he's still here. Uh, do you see yourself writing or producing anymore in the future, or are you uh, are you done with with you know the Hollywood type life? Well, I'm not chasing it. I mean, if, you know, if they came back and said, let's make some more episodes of The Office, I'd say, okay, okay, how does that work? You know, uh, we'll see if that's possible. Um, and, of course, that's rumored, you know. I mean, it's always rumored, but, I mean, I don't, I don't see how it would work. But, right. you know, they, they're willing to try, I'm sure. I mean, they're, you know, they're always desperate for content. Uh, no, I'm not chasing money to make things now. So for me, you know, the money to make something, I, I'd perhaps be interested in doing it, you know, uh, because that artistic side of you never goes away. But I did, I did you know, I did everything. You know, I did a Christmas movie, and I did creature features, and I did right. bad guys and good guys, and... Well, I did them all, you know, I played all different ranges of roles. I was never stuck in playing one thing. And so, I mean, uh, my greatest times were when I was on stage, you know, playing theater roles. I mean, that's my true love. I mean, oh, cool. I that sounds goofy. I mean, but that's the real power of acting is when you're on the stage, it's just you sustain the role for, you know, an hour and a half or two hours. And you get the audience in, the, in, in your palm and you own them. 
You know, I mean, that's that's the power. And that's that's what you try to achieve on film. But it's right. concentration that are involved in it and, you know, different um, you have different constraints on acting in, in film because of the the, the media. Right. I and mean, you can't be as big right. as you would be on the stage with certain things. I mean, it's different levels of acting. Uh, you adjust accordingly. I mean, when I did a Disney kid show, <laughs> I did Disney <laughs> kid, you know, takes and they kept right. nothing could be too big for these guys. You know, the bigger, the better. And, and you know, and there's ham in every actor waiting to get out. And uh, so I let it rip, you know, and had a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> But that's not how I did, you know, when I was playing a killer in a in a feature film. That's a different, that's a different d- discipline. I, yeah, I think so. I, and I I like I I like theater. I like people who do theater because you have you have one take, you know, you have and and you're giving your best, you know, in that one take. And there's not, oh, let's redo it. Let's you know. So I I I find theater to be super pure when it comes to acting. Yeah, no, it's true. It requires a level of bravery. I, the best part is always in the wings right before you go out and you're trying to go. Uh, am I remembering the sequence correctly? <laughs> when, when do I say this? And they'll go, uh, after act two, after, in the middle of act three. And you're like, okay, I got it. And then you go out and you trust them all, all the time that you put in rehearsing it and learning it and understanding it you know i mean it's uh you go on a journey with it you know and i used to think to myself how did yul brenner play the king and i as many times as he did because he was known for that role and he he left it for a while and then years later he went back to it right he said no i'm done with it i'm not going to do it anymore and he had done thousands of performances you know and so at that point it's just you know you're putting on one you know, warm slippers. <laughs> right. It's not like you're trying new stuff out. You're out of options, you know, after a couple of years of it <laughs> anyway. So, but he went back to it and I realized, you know, it's just the love of the thing because every night's different. Absolutely. You may think, right, so, uh, you may think how it's going to go, but it, it never goes that way ever. No, That's what no, it, it never, no, it never goes the way you think. You Again, you can, no. like you said, you can do it a thousand times. And it's never going to go the way you expect it to. But that's the part that the audience is willing to go into a dark room and share these emotions with you. And that's what makes it, that's what makes you good or real or, you know, have value. And it's had value for thousands of years. I mean, film's only been around a hundred years, you know, I right. mean, theater, theater's been around thousands of years. So there's a reason people uh, have always gone to that. So, uh, you know, that's a, it's a noble profession uh especially if you honor it you know uh and it's not easy <laughs> there's, a huge, there's a huge discrepancy in talent levels you know what passes for acting and you know what's really just you know people who look good on camera those are those are two different things right uh, a thing i want to do now is called the milo beasley show frequently asked questions where i'm going to ask you the same five questions that i ask all my guests on the show there's no wrong answers. Uh, so just the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure. All right. Question number one. Who was your first celebrity crush? Uh, she was on Charlie's Angels. 
the uh, the dark haired girl in Charlie's Angels, uh, Kate. Um, what's her last name? Kate. I'm I'm blanking now too. Um, well, fair enough, to Kate. She was, and then years later, uh, I was in a, uh, at this driving range one morning and there she was in the stall next to me. <laughs> what? Yes. In studio city. And she was in the stall next to me. I'm like, well, hello. <laughs> what are the chances? How do you, how do, you do? <laughs> no, yeah, I was a pretty good golfer. Got the show off. Kate, what's her last name? She was married to Andrew Stevens. I mean, I always, whenever I was around Andrew Stevens, I was always trying to get information. Like, what happened? Right. <laughs> How did you get so lucky and then screwed up so bad? Kate Jackson is her name. Kate Jackson. Jackson. Okay. That was my first celebrity. Yes, Kate Jackson. <clears throat> All right, question number two. What is your guilty pleasure song? So what song do you just absolutely love despite what others might think about it? ACDC, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. It's a good one. Nobody's given me yeah. that answer yet. So I like it. I like it a lot. I'm an ACDC guy. They, there's no better rock and roll guys than those guys. Are they still touring or are they? Uh... No, I mean, I saw their very first American tour and then I saw them years later in the forum. And it, it was, I mean, the, they were powerful both times. But I mean, the second time, the the volume level, your ears rang for three or four days afterwards. I mean, they just tore it down. <laughs> <laughs> Probably still feeling the effects. Yeah, right, no, that's so rock and roll a... band right there. Uh, this is a, if you had to, if you had to, do you think you could uh, beat one giant duck or a hundred tiny horses? So if you were being attacked, would you rather fight a giant duck or a hundred tiny horses? Giant duck. One uh, hundred tiny horses. That's that's four. That's four hundred hoofs. I mean, there's no way you win that, but one giant duck, I, I can get, you know, I can get into his eyes and it's game over. It's true. I've never thought about 400 hooves. Anybody who I've ever asked this question, nobody has ever mentioned, has ever mentioned it like that. Huh. Well, they, if you've ever watched wild stallions fight, they're serious animals when they get after it. I mean, they, they fight over who's going to get to brood the mares. And that those fights are for real. <laughs> I mean, and they they're biting and kicking and hoofing each other. I mean, it's it's full on. I mean, they they make those Kodiak bears look simple like simpletons. <laughs> uh, our next question. This doesn't have to be one of yours, but what is your favorite movie quote? It is one of mine, of course. And okay. I get to swear this one. Swearing's okay on the show. Absolutely. It's the internet. It's a sick fucking world. Joe Vickers. Joe Vickers. God, he has so many good ones, man. This man, oh man, it's a sick fucking world. That quote I say I all the time, and I always tell people, listen, I hate to quote myself, but I'm gonna. <laughs> I mean, 
But when you have again, like you said, he there's more quotable there's more quotable lines than the Terminator. So how do you get tired of that? Well, I you know it's been years. I mean, it, well, it's been two years since I saw it. I we saw the, in that screening in Hollywood. I hadn't seen it. You know, it's not something I watch. I mean, I remember. Right. I remember quite a, de- a bit of my my lines. I mean, the good ones. I mean, you right. remember. Remembers. I mean, there's some monologues I remember. I, I don't know why I remember them, but I, I just like those lines, you know. All right. I and mean, then our last question sure. is going to be a fill in the blank. If blank was an Olympic sport, I would win a gold medal. <laughs> Listen, that's, you know, you're, I would win a gold medal. Well, that's I can't answer that. I mean, uh, if having bronze balls was an Olympic sport, I would win a gold medal. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, actually, and, and I want to talk about. Uh, uh, I hate to say it this way, but I want to talk about your balls. In in Dick Digster, you got hit so many times. Was uh, there ever was there ever an accidental contact? No, 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 no. We were very careful. Um, I mean, it was funny. I mean, I hired uh, the little guy just because he uh, first I did a movie with him. And he was hysterical, Pancho Moller, and he later, you know, has done some horror films with uh, that Rob Zombie and those guys. Right. Good little actor. But I hired him just because I thought, you know, this guy punching me in the nuts is funny. I mean, he's he's at the right level. So when we were cutting that scene, I kept telling the editor, I was like, no, 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 this this thing I want to go on. I don't want to trim this scene. I want this to go on longer. And in fact, right. let's make sure that the uh, we put a sound effect in there that we you know, hear the hitting of the balls. I, I want a good right. sound effect there. And uh, it kept fighting me on that. I mean, that, that whole scene was a fight. And then finally, I got it where I wanted it. And, uh, you know, it's just funny. I, we, we kick him like six or seven times in the nuts. And that's kind of the point of it. Um, you know, <laughs> Finally, the last time he's like, "Never kick Dick Dickster in the nuts." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "To you, yeah, yeah." As, so as, as uh, I watched it, I was, I got worried for you. Yeah, you of course naturally. Uh, can this guy reproduce? But Dick's really not horny, you know. I mean, he he's got he's surrounded by all these beautiful women, but he he's unable right. to perform. You know, I mean, he he uh, he's just faking it that he that's what he's interested in, but he, he can't do it. He knows he can't. Uh, right. <laughs> but I turned to the director and I said, are we, have we gone to this one too many times? He's like, yeah, I think so. And I'm like, ah, let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. The, uh, the last bit, I mean, we, you know, I'm tied up on the table there and his nuts are about to be cut off. I mean, they right. say to him, we're cut the nuts off here. And that's when he, you know, he, he still won't back down. I mean, he still uh, refuses to apologize at that point. Right. <laughs> and that was kind of a ripoff of, of that film, Hard Candy. Did you ever see Hard Candy? Oh, yes. Hard that, Candy. Uh, with, um, Page. Girl. Uh, ha, ha, yeah, the girl's guy, Ellen Page. Yes, Ellen yeah. Page. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Patrick, uh, um, Patrick, uh, What's his, Patrick Wilson was the was the child molester in that film, and so right. the scene where uh, he's tied down to a sterile steel table, 
without his shorts and pants on, and she's standing there with a scalpel. <laughs> that scene goes on for about 15 minutes, and that may be the most horrifying 15 minutes in the history of cinema if you're a dude watching that, because I kept going, I can't watch this. And then I would turn turn it off, and then I would turn back to it, and there she'd be <laughs> you know, with a scalpel, and you're like, oh, man, this is hard to watch, because <laughs> he deserved it. Right. No, uh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, but you still, you know, you, you're feeling the cut there from the scalpel. <laughs> so, you know, the, I was kind of trying to do that, that gig, uh, but right. you had so much going on in that last scene that, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't focus on that. I just had to, had to right. get out of there. Well, again, thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat with me tonight. I, I truly appreciate it. Again, huge Office fan. And I know there's so many people out there that are that are big Office fans that still, when they hear Bob, they can't, it's it's impossible to just say Bob Vance. That's you know? true. You know, I, um, I, I bought another hat. I'm the leading collector of Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration Memorabilia in the world. I mean, there's tons of it. It's ridiculous how much stuff there is. Now I, I have to keep buying it every time there's oh, yeah? a new line. Yeah, I, keep, I have to have it. So it's a compulsion. You know, I, I, my closet's full of that scrap. And this guy on the Instagram, he manufactures the hat and he saw that I ordered one. He's like, oh, let me send you that hat. Let me send you this other hat. You know, will you send a picture to me? And, and I said, oh, yeah, I'll be happy to send you the picture. And he said, well, this hat, we just came out with it and it's our number one seller. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Vance Refrigeration hat, number one seller. I'm into that. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that works for me. Again, you know, uh, don't mean to blow smoke up your butt, but the way you played the character, uh, I think was just perfect. I think you knocked it out of the park. I don't think Bob Vance could have been any better than what you performed. You know what I say, Milo, is I got the most out of the least. You know, I mean, I had to, I mean, I did what I did with my opportunities and that's, that's, that's what it was, what it was. I did what I did. And, you know, the, the trajectory of this show, the life of this show has been phenomenal. Nothing in television has never existed like it. I mean, it got bigger after we were off the air than it was when we were on. I mean, we never won Thursday night. We lost to Grey's Anatomy every single Thursday night. We were in the 50s in the ratings. We averaged 10 million viewers. I mean, we were no Seinfeld. We weren't a big runway hit. It's when we got on Netflix. And, you know, I went and signed autographs at a Scranton, at the Scranton ball field one time. And there were all these kids, 12, 13-year-old kids in line. I signed autographs for seven innings. And they were all walking up to me. And they were like, we binge watched the show. And I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> and I'm like, when did our audience turn into 12 and 13-year-old kids? Because when we were on air, it was 40-year-olds with an income of $100,000 plus. That's what made the show. And so, you know, watch how that thing grew and, you know, how it's changed. I've been saying Bob, Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration for um, 16 years now. Wow. So that's a long time to, to say that phrase. The thing that drives me crazy is people put a D in there. There's no D in refrigeration. <laughs> Think right. about it. How many times have I written that? Oh, my God. If I could only get a dollar for every time I've written that in the last 15, 16 years. Oh, I, I, I can imagine. Um, again, thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat with me. I, I truly enjoyed it. And, and again, thank you for sharing the legend of Dick, Stig, of Dick Dixter with me. 
Um, and, and, you know, I'm glad we were able to talk about Psycho Cop. Glad we were able to talk about The Office. And uh, again, well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you, Milo. Uh, Milo. Uh, Milo? Milo? Milo. So play that, play, I know how to say it. Play that catchy out, outro song now. Uh, I don't, my outro song isn't that, isn't that catchy. So, uh, but thank you all for watching and, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Here's my outro.